0: The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and in game changers about what drives them.
1: Welcome to the Green Room. This is a show where we balls up completely for the last couple of years, blame everybody else, take no accountability for ourselves. But as always, I am your host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here, and you'll be delighted that it's not just me. I am joined firstly by a couple of my lovely premium members who are going to be a Watch her along and potentially join in later on, but I'm also joined by the man of many hats, Chris Benstead. How are we doing, Chris? I'm good, yes. I'm I'm celebrating the Bulls Ups with you. Excellent. Now, which hat are you going to wear today? Which hat do you think is going to be most appropriate? Do you think DITC, Fairy Test, Explain Solutions Coach,
0: Author... I, I reserve, reserve the right to um to change, but I think if we're going to debate the DVSA, I should probably aim with my my children's book hat, aimed at ages three to seven. Excellent. Well, we've got a lot of news to cover today. with
1: have uh, Love Day rider Ryder was uh, speaking about the reasons why there's a, a backlog, and the DVSA have announced their annual report, and there's been a massive debate going on on Facebook. I've seen at least three debates about this recently, about the incredibly important topic of what should we do first? Lift your clutch to a biting point or set your gas? The one that's guaranteed to cause a big argument. Uh, so lots of news to cover. Later on, we're potentially going to be uh, talking about driving instructors on social media. And are we a problem? Do we need fixing But that will depend, because I still haven't decided what we're going to do on today's show. So we'll find out in a bit. But just before we kick off, a couple of things I want to mention. So firstly, this green room, if you are listening to this, you'll be able to find the video for this on YouTube. When the podcast goes out to the general public, it will also go up on YouTube as a video. So if you would rather watch This rather than listen, go and check out the Instructor Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, You can search for it or you'll find the link in the show notes. Now, most of the regular podcast episodes will go up, but they won't be in video form. They'll be in simple podcast form. But this is going to be available over on YouTube. Uh, I'll also chuck in now that if you're a DITC member, you'll get these episodes early. Uh, My premium members get them early. Uh, Obviously, we look after those guys, but DITC members also get them early now because Chris... Occasionally contributes, which is uh, nice of him. Also, want to take a quick mention to shout out to the Meganar, the instructor Meganar, which is taking place on the 3rd of August. It's going to be pretty cool. I think it's either going to be the best uh, CPD event of the summer, and I'm sticking with that tagline, or it's going to be an absolute disaster. And I think whichever one of those roads it takes, excuse the pun, it's well worth attending. Uh, you need to sign up to the Instructor Podcast newsletter to get the links and the details and all that kind of stuff. So you can either go to the show notes, you'll find a link there, or... You can go to the website, which is www. or you can drop me a message and I'll, I'll I'll send you a link. But get signed up to that. We've got nine speakers, two of which are with us today. Actually, uh, we've got nine speakers over three hours delivering some awesome content. But we might touch back on that a little bit more later on. Uh, but as we said, Chris, there's been some uh, some news uh, news this uh, this month. What what do you want to start with?
0: Well, I, I think we'll go straight with the, D, the DVSA opinion that it's not their fault, don't we? Well, let, let's let's
1: see what Love Day said. said, the three main reasons why driving test waiting timers are longer are an increase in forecast demand caused by a stronger than expected... I'm trying not to laugh as I say this stuff, and I don't think I can. An increase in forecast demand caused by a stronger than expected economy... Sustained industrial action and low customer confidence in driving test availability resulting in a change in, in customers' booking behavior. Is that what's causing the long waiting times? Not contributing, because we can't lie and say it's not contributing. Is that what's causing the, the long waiting times?
0: No, there's no tests available. <laughs> I'm sorry, is that too simplistic? I, I I had a meeting the other day, uh, which I very much appreciated. Um, and it's so it been a while getting there, but you know I was promised it a while back, and, and we got to, I got to sit down um, with someone from the DBSA and, and have a chat about. I asked the question, not how should we run our businesses because they won't answer that, but how do we use their their waiting system, their booking system. Um, which I managed to therefore get a response and and a sit down, um, to which the answer is the system doesn't work very well. So, you know, everyone's guess is as good as as ours. But it was actually quite positive. You know, they're doing lots. They're trying to work things out. But you couldn't get away from the fact that they don't know how long the queue is The analogy that I've used previously uh, on the green room of, you know, we can see it goes down to the corner, but we can't see around the corner as to how far it is. We know it's six months and arguably I get what they're saying. It's not six months because over time and things come out on a shorter term basis and they get filled up. Um, But the six months is released, but there's this queue that goes around the corner and they don't know how big that queue is now. And I will just, because, I mentioned to Terry earlier, I sometimes forget to credit people when they've said things to me that were quite clever. Um, and this isn't Terry, it's jo- Johnny Greaves, driving instructor, said to me when I happened to be going on my way to the meeting, Well, surely we just look at how many active theory certificates there are. I don't think the DVSA have thought of that one. Um, so I raised that and they're going to hopefully come back to me with a figure because I think that would give us an idea of how many to expect. I, I also wonder about this. You know, this better than expected economy, how bad did they expect it to be? I mean, it, oh, sorry, let's try not to get political. Um, it could have been a lot worse
1: if, if a certain Liz had stayed in power. And I'm not talking about the Queen. Uh, so it could have been an awful lot worse, I suppose. But it, I don't feel a particularly strong economy. And I don't think 99% of the population do. And I think that's an absolutely, that. that's a, a Rishi Sunak comment is that that's the government saying everything's rosy. You know that that meme of the uh, the dog in the fire, where it's just that everything's fine and everything's burning around it. That's what that feels like w- with that. But I mean, we've got to be honest about this. The the, the backlog was initially caused by a, a shutdown of society. That that's what caused it. It wasn't the fault of the dvsa it was caused by by this have they handled it brilliantly in my opinion no but then again we've never been in this situation before you know it took a long time for me to actually start being overtly critical of what they were doing on publicly because i give an awful lot of leeway thinking even during covid anyone that listens to this podcast or listens to me knows i'm not a particularly big fan of the this current incarnation so we say of the conservative Party of or boris johnson however i gave him an awful lot of leeway during covid because we've never been in this situation before yeah and i think that's the issue we have now been in this situation a while and it feels like all we get is fluff And nonsense. And while there may not be unnecessary overtly lies, it feels like we get lies. That's what it feels like, and it's just rubbish. I mean, those those reasons are all accurate. Again, everything they said there. So they spoke about an increase in forecast on demand for strong. uh, There is an increase in demand, but that's expected. We could have told you that everyone on this call is saying probably every single person listening or watching could have told us that the demand is going to either sustain or go up. It's not going to go down. And, and we're not even trained in this crowd. And they've got people that are trained in this crap. Um Sustained industrial action. Yes. Mm-hmm. But again, we knew about that. That was something that's been going on for quite a while. And it's, you know, why is there industrial action? Because examiners aren't paid enough. Pay the examiners more, there's no industrial action. Now, I don't necessarily know whose remit that falls under the DVSA, the government, whatever. But there's a reason why there is industrial action. And then the other one, and I kind of got a little bit of sympathy with with the last one. So low customer confidence in driving test availability, resulting in a change in customer's
0: booking behavior. I think that's accurate. I don't. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I think, well, I think it's their responsibility to communicate better. We're there again. Um, Their responsibility to communicate better and telling everybody that there's a six-month waiting list and not telling people how to use the booking process properly is causing some of that increased pressure and demand. And it's panic buying, effectively. That there's certain things that you could you could do to you know to reduce those issues. Um, you know, I accept there's lots of computer said says no, and and that was the conversation that I that I had when I was sat down with them. You know, uh, the other day was that yeah, there's lots of things the system can't do. Um, You know, we we know that they are currently building a new, sorry, they are currently talking about building a new um, computer system. Uh, And and yeah, yeah, we need that. Absolutely. I wasn't told not to say it. So there's, you know, potential talks about looking at building effectively bots. Yeah, the bots that we keep complaining about, but a version that actually works for the for the DVSA but again it's it's talking about it it's going to take forever. Um we're going to resolve the situation before before those things come about if anything, you know, that's gone before is anything to go by. There's been some real positives and that they've taken lots of steps to improve things that haven't been communicated well. So the the figure that on the surface looks really dodgy, which uh, I think I'm correct in saying, 700 New newly employed examiners but they've lost 733 which sounds like a real problem but actually as as you know I, I had a really interesting conversation about they've got rid of part-timers they've got rid of the non-flexible contracts they they're in a much better system with the assets that they've got than they were before so although the net figure is 33 down we've got you know Seven hundred new fresh faces, um, which are the right fresh faces coming through by the sounds of things. They they've also acknowledged that online interview process was not getting them who they needed, so they moved back towards doing face to face stuff, which is more aggro, higher cost to them, time wise, you know, and everything else. But actually, if you get the right people, that's what's important. But I don't think that's been communicated, and we've had that fluff in its place. Lead with that. If you're going to say where are we at, yeah, we we've got better assets in place. We've got more flexibility. Give us a bullshit percentage that you know doesn't really mean anything. We accept those, but one that one that actually sort of says we are this much more flexible, and then we can understand that. But telling us that the economy's better than it should have been. Um, you know, it isn't going to wash. And if it's your responsibility to communicate with the customers and ready to pass, we're both big fans. You know, absolutely. I think they've done a cracking job. It hasn't addressed that area of, you know, a how to book your test specifically and do that with an instructor not get a test and then phone an instructor and hold up a test because they can't give you lessons wait until the people who can't get tests have then got tests to then make a space in the diary because that's the conversation we keep having every day
1: i mean i i, I do have some sympathy for him. i know you say disagree but around that changing of the way customers book their their tests because it's they've Partly caused it, as you say, with the poor communication stuff. But it's the mass booking, it's the people taking advantage of the situation, it's the panic buying, that kind of stuff. That's making their job harder. I think that's where I say I've got a bit of sympathy for them. But it, it all comes down to that communication. And you made a really key point. That I think me and you spoke about this once. You first, first mentioned it about the, uh, the the new the new booking system and that that she was talking about in, in Parliament. And it was really interesting the way she phrased it, which was. We're doing oh, we've developing this and like and then she stopped and went, No, we're not, we're going to. (laughs) And I thought that pretty much sums up everything that's wrong with the current government. Oh, stop getting political. You know what I mean? It sums up the the problem. It's I'm gonna say this to kind of and hope that it'll appease people a little bit. I'm gonna say this to defect blame. I mean, I, I don't do this often, but I'm gonna give this example i put a post up on my facebook page just recently about the communication i had with my students over the last 18 months where i've struggled with you know physical health and the times when i wasn't able to get in a car and if you can't get in a car you can't deliver driving lessons but also the mental stuff as well and the the, everything that's gone on in the last 18 months or so and all of my students have been awesome all of them uh some of them were offering to help in fact a very quick story one that moves me the most is that uh, i was driving to a student's house who only lives about 20 minutes away and i was having to pull up every two or three minutes get out of the car because i couldn't stay sat down and i dropped her a message and said i'm running a bit late because of this and she replied back and went take the fucking day off dickhead and i went yeah that would make more sense thank you for that but that and that kind of kicked me into looking after myself but um it was me being honest and this communication. They've all been superb. And I posed the question, if the DVSA communicated better and were more kind of open, and I forget the exact word I use, but even put in an apology and said, that we we stuck with this. we try to do this. Would ADIs respond better? And every single person has said, yeah, every single person. And when you read the comments, there you know, some awesome comments on there. ADIs just wanted the communication. They want the honesty. They want the openness. They want the DVSA to say we're really struggling. You know, we're doing our best, but we're really struggling. We can't meet the targets we've set. Here's why. Here's what we're doing about it. We're sorry. We know you've got it tough. But and I just think, Do you know what? That think back to that email at start of year. The success of 2022, and compare that to the email that goes, "Yeah, we've done some good stuff in 2022 around these areas, but we've struggled here, and this is why." and i just think that that makes all the difference would you concur with that chris
0: yes no, and abs- absolutely i'm not even that bothered about the apology because to be honest sorry there was covid and you know sorry we haven't been very good i'd rather hear solutions um but yeah no ab- absolutely i think we just we want to be treated as if we're equal in the process and the other thing i would like to hear is the acknowledgement of the um, the job that instructors are doing by default, because we got to, um, to actually communicate with with our customers where it should be coming from the DVSA. We should be supporting that communication 100%. But actually the primary communication is coming from us and, and it shouldn't be. Um, and we're having to do the juggling and we're taking a lot of the pressure off and I, I haven't heard that acknowledged, and I think it would be nice to, and you know, possibly some kind of measure, e- even if it's just you know a a phone number, of this if this affects you, call this number, um, for instructors that are struggling, because there's there's a lot of you know mental health concerns. It, it, I don't get a week go by without talking to an instructor who is really on on the edge of you know surviving, um, whether that be personally or you know business wise, um, from the extra stress. And we're seeing people leaving and going, "Oh, yeah, I can't be bothered anymore. I'll go and do something something else, or I won't do anything." Um, I'd like to see that too, but you know, say not so bothered about the apology, just a bit of on equal terms stuff. I think
1: that's a really good point, and I think it's easy to be a blasé about those people that are struggling, you know, or just, you know, whatever, just say no, but, you know, uh, I think you make a a really good point, and I try not to be too critical, I I like to look for problems, uh, solving the problem, I like to look for answers, I like to you know, challenge things rather than just being overtly negative. So I don't want to bang on about this too much, but I think it's worth mentioning, you know, to do a podcast about the industry, looking at the news upon the industry without mentioning this. And let's be honest, there's nothing positive to say about this. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to just be the podcast that just rants and raves for an hour. Yeah. To not mention it would be a miss. But I do want to ask you the question, and I'm careful I word this. Does it matter if a student has to wait six months for a test? Now I don't mean like if they're ready and they've you know they've, they haven't got to wait six months. I mean let's just the normal process: you have a few lessons, you pass your theory test, and then you've got to wait six months. If that was standard, if that you know, is that in itself a problem?
0: No, but I don't think that's actually the case. the The case is that tests are becoming available at a maximum of six months, and there's more pupils looking for tests than than that so we've got the stress of 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 the the pressure that's being put on that that you know if you choose to get up at six in the morning my question was why six in the morning why can't we move it to something that's you know even just seven in the morning would be more reasonable to take the pressure off um you know if if you choose to get up you choose to fight for those tests or you make the decision, and I'm seeing more and more instructors openly saying it because at the beginning it was a you know a, a black market and was um, was frowned upon of going. no, I've got pupils paying 200 quid for a test. I'm even pointing them in the direction of the people who sell them now. Yeah, not me personally, but this is what I'm hearing. Um, I don't don't do the proper job. We all know that. I'm I'm busy doing my theory. Um, went out and did a proper lesson this week though. Um, so I. Yeah, I, I think that that extra pressure that from from the, you know, we need more than six months. If it was six months, there's a lot of instructors who've been doing the job for longer than I that will say, yeah, that was the standard. So you start learning. You probably get your theory done before you start learning, and you book your test so that we know where it is. Yeah, brilliant. It's the absence of having a test. And then the other people coming along who haven't even started yet who've got a test. And that's where the, the issue is. It's it's in the pieces are in the wrong places. And every every organisation will tell you that that's where we end up, you know, going to the wall. We, we can't, you know, we're, we're reliant on them. Um, but if you've got the pieces in the wrong places, you might as well not have them in the first place.
1: Let's finish with one comment uh, on this, uh, and I'll let you come back on this, Chris. Because um, it was a comment in particular that sparked my attention on the Facebook post I put up, and it was uh, by a friend of us all, a friend of us all, Lou Walsh, um, who said, 1,854 days since the DVSA promised to communicate better with audit trainers, we get our first email. It was the same same email as all ADIs got, except I said, dear audit trainer, instead. We haven't had one since. Anything you
0: want to respond to on that, Chris, or is that just a good point to end that aspect of this conversation? I think Lou says it all there um you know and and that is that's DVsa communication in a nutshell to be honest give them credit we got an email that's probably better than average let's move on then
1: to the um they recently released what do you call it, annual report and uh going praise about themselves in that report the success they've achieved and the success they've done. But I want to make a slight confession here because this is, and I'm sure I'm not the only one when I say this, I'm in the driving instructor bubble. So when I think of the DVSA, I think of driving instructors and driving tests. I think of nothing else. And reading that report, I was like, there's some really, really good stuff in there that they've done. Bogger all to do with tests and instruction. I mean, there was one little box that was like hidden away about it, just numbers, but... The some really, really good stuff in and I thought, you know, maybe I'm too harsh when I talk about the DVSA. Maybe I need to be very, very specific about what aspect I'm talking about. I don't know. But um, I don't want to go into the report as a whole. I don't think that there's a lot that necessarily needs covering there. But do you think that's something you would agree with, the fact that we get in this bubble and we forget the fact that they're doing a lot of stuff really well, doing a good job well? Yeah, we'll go with that. A lot of stuff really well, doing a good job in some areas but we just feel insulated and, and see this bit and then tar everyone with the same brush potentially.
0: Yes, totally agree. I, I also see it the other way around is if they're doing that well on other stuff, what's the difference? Is is it us? Are we the problem? I, you know, I'm open to that. I I don't think it's the case. I don't think we do ourselves any favors some of the time for them to be able to engage, um, you know, we, 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 as a, as a mass, can be quite militant. Or, um, you know, we we if we don't see the point in it, then we don't want to engage in it. And I think that that's a a massive problem. It's the minimum standards industry. You know, we 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 all focus on that what's required for the test, and and you know even the best of us that are looking for safe driving for life as it is meant the you know the real tagline um still get sucked into that that bubble of of test stuff and dvsa stuff as you say that's only part of what the dvsa do but there's some really good best practice when you look at how they work with lorry companies and things about and who have embraced being um one of their you know, their um, key partners, the ones that behave themselves, basically. If you behave yourself well, the DBSA will leave you alone. Now, they've tried to do that with the standards check and the grade A, grade B, and just everybody's, you know, I say everybody, a a vast majority have, have kind of, you know, fought back against it because they don't want to. Be judged by the DVSA. It's not. It's not their job. blooming is, because it's who decides if we have a license or not. So, yeah, I, I I think it's really interesting to be reminded of of all those different assets and and facets of of what the DVSA do and and what they're responsible for. I also think we have a habit of lumping them in with the DVLA, um, and you know, and and kind of not differentiating there as well, and from experience you know they're sister sister agencies they don't work together um they, they'll be in the same room sometimes but it's yeah I, I think that absolutely there's things that we should really be aware of at least maybe communicated better the, how can i put this so for me
1: it's it still it falls back to that that blame and that accountability you know i think that when you release that report and you term it as a success, surely there should just be a page on there that's, and here's where we can do better. You know, I I just, I always feel like that. And I know I'm getting a bit negative again, but I always feel like that. It's what I do. You know, I always talk to people. After these podcasts, you know, most of you guys know that after a podcast episode, the first thing I always say is give me some feedback. Is there anything I could have done better today? I could have made this episode better for you. You know, when I finish a series, I put the links out. Come and give me your thoughts on this. What can I change for next season? What can I do? Now, admittedly, they send those surveys out and then do the opposite of what we say, which, you know... Do you know what? Is it any wonder why we get negative sometimes when I'm saying all this stuff? And I realize it when I'm saying it, but kind of you put forward why do they do the positive? Why are they doing so well in these areas, but not ours? Well, just be slightly conspiratorial for a second. Those driving tests and theory tests are booked up. That's their money earned. That's what they need to do. What problem is it actually causing them?
0: Yeah. And unless you take into account that the grief of not having the waiting list and the problems that are caused and the lack of flexibility probably costing them an absolute fortune um in you know in in having to try and fix it and and the strike action on top of that and um yeah i i don't know i am not a bit convinced yeah i'm being a bit
1: conspiratorial it's not really something i believe but if you're looking at, at, at priorities i'd imagine that driving tests are quite low down in in terms of priorities when there's other areas there because they might be getting some grief, but there's a lot of sheltered people there that aren't going to feel that grief. You know, look who's getting the grief. As you said before, he's driving instructors. We're getting it every single day by a text, on social media, by in-person, by just the way we feel. You know, we're getting this constantly. You know, me and you had a conversation before, and I won't go too deep into this, but I'll talk to you about how in certain areas my confidence is shot now. And that ties into a lot of the stuff we've been speaking about today. So, yeah, I think that if, if they're sheltered from it it's, and it's lower down, then maybe that's why that's not having a bigger impact. You know, yeah, we haven't done this, but we have done this, this, and this, and look how shiny this looks. You know, that's hard work and it's annoying. We'll leave them instructors to it, but, you know.
0: We but, we do run, run the risk of becoming the blooper reel for the DVS-8, though um we like a good blooper um but yeah
1: again i I appreciate this is quite a negative way to start the show although i did just give them some praise um but i appreciate it's quite a a, almost a downbeat way to start the show but you'll be remiss to to talk about that stuff so let's let's take a moment to set the table uh chris do you want to tell people who you are what your hat is and where they can find you
0: Uh, So I'm Chris Benstead. I am the co-founder of the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, the DITC, which is the signposting platform for the driving instructor industry, trying to help you find what you didn't know was out there but probably need. So if you find something you probably need, get in touch and we can probably help you find it excellent uh, and i'm going to
1: chip this in and i warned you i'd chip in with this so uh chris has also released a, a new standards check course um i think that's what you call it and he calling it grade a uh, and i have uh taken part in that saying it's a wonderful course i fully endorse it fully embrace it and fully recommend it uh, and i'm going to give uh, a little mention now to if you want to take part in this do it quickly because i have uh recommend the increases prices quite highly for said course. So, uh, so jump in with that if, and when you can, but highly recommend that. Uh, but yes, you are listening to the green room. This is the green room number 31, 31 episodes in of, of the instructor podcast green room. And, um, Yeah, make sure you are clicking subscribe because we're currently between seasons, so there's obviously a lot less episodes coming out, so make sure you click and subscribe so it drops into your feed whenever there's an episode. And if you want even more content on things around the standards check or coaching or mindfulness or growing and developing your business, then head over to the Instructor Podcast Premium where for as little as £10 a month, you get access to over 100 exclusive shows, trainings, podcasts, written articles, videos, all that kind of goodness. Uh, And you can find all that over at www www.theinstructorpodcast.com before we move on chris uh and, and look at the other key topics that we want to want to address um do either of you to phil or Stuart, want to chip in with any comments on what we've been speaking about so far um
2: yeah it's interesting i, I think i agreed what on, i know mentioned this on the post that you put on facebook about about the communication and like i would happy for them to just say we can't do anything because our hands are tied or or whatever and and you would just have some empathy with that and and then it would be better to sort of a, a better pill to take um and they are a government department and there is like we're in this little dry this like we're obsessed with this because it's what affects us but i am sure there are other industries who are are government regulated that are also obsessed with their little part because there's not as much money my only issue with with the dbsa is they do have a source of income other than just from the government and and from from test fees and it might not be very popular for them to do that but i don't do wonder why they don't just increase the test fees have more money to pay examiners or employ more examiners and fix the, it would fix it straight away. It would, it would stop people booking tests willy nilly and not caring about it. And it would also give them more funds to increase their service. Basically.
1: Remember all the fuss was it last year when they increased it by like a pound or something like that. And there was a massive way of the communication. We got more communication about that pound than we have about anything else. And Half of people were kicking off, and half didn't care, and half had strong opinions, and half didn't. And I, and I remember thinking then exactly what you've just said: just bump it up by thirty quid, double it, and you know you just got this massive revenue coming in. Uh, yeah, wholeheartedly agree, Phil. Uh, Chris, anything you want to touch on with
0: that? I, I think if the going rate out there at the moment is one hundred and fifty quid or whatever it is, then you know if people are paying that anyway, um, I appreciate that they're very aware of different areas of the country you know having more or less money to spend um but how many lessons have you got to have to you know extra to bridge that gap while you're waiting um you know if it if it develops a solution then most instructors will find you know a, a way around around that of all right we'll do a lesson every 8 9 days instead of every 7 or you know and and we we can bridge that gap fairly easily. So yeah, I um
1: yeah, I would agree. And to be fair, you know, I did have someone say to me recently, um, we should increase our price, or I should increase my prices to my learners so I can give all my content away for free and don't charge you ADI's. So, you know, we're only suggesting the DVSA do the same. Um uh Stuart, do you do you want to come in with something on that?
3: Um, yeah, first of all, thank you for letting me get crashed, Terry. It's very kind of you to let me hang around um, when I shouldn't actually be here. So thanks. And really interesting to hear um, Chris's points and Phil's points and yourselves. I think there's some really eloquent stuff there. There's a lot of angst, which we get at test centres up and down the country. You know, I'm part of the, the ADI NGC. We hear it all the time through the ADI That doesn't belittle anything that we're talking about at all. And I don't want anything that I say now to take away from what is an important conversation. But I'm just fed up with it. I'm really up and fed up um, with the fact that um, driving instructors up and down the country, national associations, um, capable trainers and industry leaders, as, as you guys are, have to talk about this kind of thing about the DVSA and talk about how rubbish governments are. We all know governments are rubbish. Do you know, it's, it's departments of transport. That, that, Chris, Chris, your point about, and I've heard you talk about this in other places, about this being a minimum standards industry. I, I, I like that that point, I, I, but I think it works better, or you can expand it to include the fact that the DVSA is a minimum standards organisation in terms of the level of service they provide to driving instructors. The DVSA has no interest in communicating with learner drivers. Um, They will use driving instructors because we have more contacts. To me, that's not that controversial. It would cost them a fortune to go and run more campaigns than they already are. Um, I think you're right in what you say about um, Ready to Pass. It's a really good campaign. They are doing good things, as Terry said in that report. My main interest is more about moving this kind of conversation on. We acknowledge it. We fight through things like the DITC. We fight through representations through NASP. These things are important. What are we going to do beyond that? I don't I don't really know. I would rather we all got together as a, a collective group and got our heads back um, around more important things about road safety, developing driving instructors, doing some of the more interesting things like I know Phil is doing later on with the... The book review on the game I'm sorry, I can't make that film, even though I voted for the book. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. These are the things that get me excited about the industry, um, and the opportunity to, to persuade capable, intelligent people like you to put all your brainwork to things like that, rather than getting angry. Because I've been in this uh, this industry a long time, and I've I, I run a driving school. I, I I know all the arguments. I know all the angst. And I'm done with it. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'll, I'll contribute when I'm asked to, but I want to move on. I, I want us all to kind of move on from that. Sorry, that's me off my soapbox. No.
1: Oh, uh, I love that. And, and just before I respond, that uh, I will just mention that uh, join the Instructor Podcast Facebook group, and you can come along to Phil's Book Club, uh, the ADI Book Club. It's the inner game of tennis is covering this month, I believe. I say this month. It's uh, very soon, so it's time this has gone out. It's too late, but you can always come to the next one. And the videos are uploaded into the group as well, so you can go back and watch later as we discuss them. And uh, uh I did the first one last month, didn't you, Phil? And it was awesome. So, uh, yes, um, come along to that, and I'll let you promote that in a second as well. But um, you've just put very eloquently what I put absolutely butchered at the start of the show. Um, and it, it goes back to what I was saying about not having a topic for this show, not really knowing where to take it. And it, it's because initially... I, you know, when, when Love Day was answering the questions in um, uh, to, to Parliament or whatever, and I got so frustrated by that. And, I, um, you know, it's it's that reaction that we have. But then we have to control the reaction. And so immediately I'm like, right, this is what we're talking about on the podcast. And I get all hepped up. And then I calm myself down. I'm like, no, do you know what? I don't want to talk about this. And I sent Chris this message. Uh, change of plan for the green room. Uh, I'm sick. Uh, I'm sick of so much nonsense and negativity and fed up talking about waiting times. And don't think we can ignore them. I think if I'm doing this monthly show on the news in the industry, when stuff like this gets said, we have to address it. But it's why I try not to make it the topic of the show. So I could wholeheartedly agree. And you've put that an awful lot better uh, than I can. So thank you for phrasing it that way.
0: And I also think that when you're talking about the news and and what the dvsa have put out there and they 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 got to choose the you know the the rhetoric of it um we've got to respond to that and what that means is that instructors will then listen and then we can promote things like the book club and we can promote things like you know the the whole content of of the instructor podcast um you know, it, it's a bit like if you want to sell a course, um, then make it about the standards check. Um, and as someone as Terry has said, if I've got a standards check course out there, it's nothing to do with the standards check. It's about every single lesson being awesome. But if I put "let's make every single lesson awesome," no one will turn up, which is really you know difficult when it's a one-to-one course. Uh, but actually, when you're trying to you know trying to promote that, you've got to start with the the pain points first. Um, and and just to, to to take to take what you you've said Stuart, was about the DVSA can't talk to all of the pupils, although Ready to Pass is doing really well at that. It would be good if they spoke to all the instructors, but you know if we go back to to COVID, when I, I believe the DVSA said we can't be expected to communicate with all of the instructors because we'd have to have their details, the people that run the register, so you know, it was a bit of a difficult one if they can't even communicate with us for us to then do the job of communicating with, with, you know, with our networks and hundred percent all for that. But, I think sometimes they make the rod for their own back. But if we can then spin some positive from that and say to people, look, you're all we're all in the same boat, because they're the the people I know I know you guys at the the NJC get you know you get more calls than I do from instructors about the mental health state of things and and everything else. Um I think sometimes I benefit from the fact that I'm a face, uh, a specific face, rather than necessarily being a title. Um that you get those people that are really struggling um and if that's not being addressed and and not you know that they're not being told you're not alone because at that point they're feeling really alone um they haven't got the up to find from there and and actually acknowledging it and saying it's shit for all of us um you know because i think it is um then at that point we can we can kind of go there's there's ways to make that better Let's actually forget about it. You can't do anything about it, hundred percent. So what you can do is manage your own backyard and make things better, and communicate well. And as as Terry said, cancel lessons when you should be canceling the lessons, and not go out there, you know, pulling over every three minutes to to, to recover. Um, you know, and and if you're not in a good state for it, then yeah, find find ways around that. If it means taking a step away, take a step away.
1: Uh, it wasn't my finest hour, and, and just touching on your point about the the standards check to get people in, um Phil. You asked me on a podcast recently about the name of my uh, my upcoming book is, and it's not a standards check book. So a surefire way to sell no copies, I would say. um let, let, Let's move on then. Not necessarily something more positive, but definitely the most um important topic that I've seen recently, as I mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, and I'm going to come to you on this first, Phil. Um, Banging point first or gas first? Because I have seen this debate at least three times this month. As a result, we did, I reckon, at least 17 arguments, three punch-ups, and, and one possible you know hospitalisation. So, Phil, banging point first or gas first? Does it matter? Do we need to talk about it?
2: Uh, well, we shouldn't have to talk about it. <laughs> um, because, yes, it does matter, and, yes, there is. But, like, I can understand in driving that there are some things that are debatable. Um, signals, for example, could be very debatable. Um, it very clearly says in the driving essential skills, set your gas and find the bike. It's like, it's quite clear. It's black and white. It says it there. And yes, we should be setting our gas and finding our bike. It's as simple as that. Um, and I understand that some cars don't and some cars, uh, but we should be teaching pupils to be able to drive in any car and therefore we should be teaching them to do it properly. So yeah, gas and bike. <laughs> I bang my head against the window when we have this debate. <laughs> To be fair, we said, we won't go to debate I feel a debate coming on. <laughs>
1: Yay! Um, because I teach both. Um, I'm like, okay, if you're doing a parallel path around this card, don't bother putting your gas on. Just use your clutch. If you're reversing, don't use your gas. Just use your clutch, which I think is essentially the same thing. If you're on a hill start, use your gas. And I think – but you kind of touched on that at the end. There's times you'll do it and times you won't. So, you know, do what's appropriate for the situation. I think that's what ball's answer. I can see well, someone's ready to, to, eager to dive in on this. Look at the the reaction. This topic has got the same reaction. It got in the face. I didn't get this reaction from the DVSA comments. This is brilliant. I know what
0: to talk about now. It, it's always theory first. We know that. That's the most important element that gets ignored. Um, fork first or, or knife first. You know, they do two different jobs. It depends what you're doing with them. So actually break it down do it individually. What's the gas pedal about? It's not about gas anyway cuz lots of electrics out there I haven't got any. Um uh it's about power. It's it's a it's about the engine. Then the clutch is about the dispersal of it. So if I'm in my my previous car um that would pull away without any gas whatsoever, why would I destroy the environment by revving? um makes no sense it doesn't need the power so i don't need to add the power so if we understand it i think there's a massive danger and it's not often that i disagree with phil which you know is brilliant i love it can i jump in there then so but
2: my guess is you would have your foot over the gas in that moment like like maybe not pressing it but i'm sure your foot would be on the gas i might be on the brake would you be pressing the brake yeah, because that's the, that, that's the one that gets me. I do not, and, and again, we might disagree with this, but I I, I can't be doing with foot on the brake, find the bike,
0: and then release the brake. So some cars now, when you push the accelerator, the automatic handbrake comes off, uh, the hill assist comes off, and it'll rem roll backwards. And the advice from those companies is to hold those companies is to hold the brake, find your bite, not straining, but just finding it, and then come off the brake. Before, you know, so that, so that that doesn't happen. So it, it's again car specific, and we've got so many different styles of technology coming through. It's the technology that causes the problem. That actually, I don't think I, I, to be honest, this is I'm going to be really, really honest. You lost me at it's in driving essential skills um, because uh, there's a lot of that book I won't agree with. Um, I think you've got to have a foundation. Knowledge. So, if someone came into it knowing nothing, yeah, it's all good. It breaks things down, but then you end up with different things. of the The one that I get a lot is people who who move from traditional hand brake, sorry, parking brake. I can hear certain instructors screaming, uh, "Parking brake! Traditional hand uh, parking brake, hand parking brake." That's better. That uh, that is you know moved across to an electric. And then they're getting their pupils to get their feet ready and then hand-releasing the electric parking brake instead of moving off. And when you move off, it turns itself off automatically. And the number of cars I've been in with people that don't understand their own vehicle, and therefore, if we don't understand it, how can we teach it well? And actually, I think it's important to go, well, what are we trying to achieve and how do we best achieve it? And Yeah, if we don't need power, why are we adding some? is amazing.
1: If you are listening to this on the podcast version, go check YouTube out, scroll forward 40 minutes and watch some of the expressions on here because I am 31 episodes into the grooming and I finally found out how to do it. Uh, Next month, we are going to be asking do we need to check our mirrors in pairs? What about uh, flip flops? Flip flops are on there, yep. Um, It's going to have some rate from going forward now. I found a new bonus end to the show that I'm going to do. Uh, Stuart, do you want to come in on this super important topic that I intended as a joke?
3: Well, first of all, I want to know if you're you're going to talk about wing mirrors or door mirrors. That's (laughs) on on the next one. That's that's really important. Um, I'm going to sit in the fence, probably, because I like driving essential skills. It's the book that we tell our PDIs to go to for part two, um, kind of training. I know that it does say... Um, set the gas and therefore that's the way I tend to try and get PDIs to do it when I'm doing not part two necessarily, but for part three, I would, I would probably get them to set the gas. Do I drive that way? No, not at all. Um, have I ever seen a, a driving fault being given for incorrect use of that kind of thing? No. Um, but then just to take on, I guess I'm kind of supporting both of you here. I don't. I'm with Phil in that I don't particularly like clutch and brake either. But I know that there's no rational reason to that because we use the parking brake or the, whatever you called it, the, the lever, the brake lever, um, for t- to hold it on the bike. Why should we not use the foot? So I get that as well. So I don't know either. I don't. You should go and listen to a more serious podcast. <laughs> Let's get less nonsense on it with yeah. people who know things, Teddy. That's, <laughs> that's my... Well, um, if
1: you are still listening, feel free to go check out Dipod. Um, <laughs> they actually bit mirrors in pairs quite regularly over there, so, you know, we don't need to do that one. Um, I will say, though, what is interesting, and this fully supports what you've said since the first time I've met you, Chris, that we've asked a question about driving instructing to four instructors and got four different answers. <laughs> And I think if that doesn't sum up our industry, I don't know what will. And I've got a new sense of sympathy for the DVSA. Yeah.
3: We need, we, need the, we need the DVSA to clarify these points once and for all. That's what we need. Well, what they that, did. They that did would, skills.
0: <laughs> that would assume that they were right and that they're not based on minimum standards. So, so
2: before you move on, can I just I I, I fully get Chris's point about how you should have conversations around different ways and different options within cars. But I, I think possibly where I'm coming from is, is the same with, with Stuart is the fact training PDIs, if they're going to a part three and they say it the other way around, and actually I'm just wary of maybe some PDIs listening to this, an examiner would pick them up on technical information. Cause it isn't what's within driving such skills. No, no, no. Really? Mine examiner, examiner, I, would.
0: I, if, 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 if they explain why. If they give the why behind it, no, they won't.
2: I suppose if there was learning behind it, yeah, okay. But if but if there wasn't, and they just said set the brake, and like, and then find the clutch, the examiner would pick up on that.
0: If it Not caused that. a problem to the to the learner, yes. But I I don't I I think it's it's that thing of you know, if there was something wrong. I think what actually happens more often. This is probably the the more interesting bit. Um, as much fun as it is debating it um is so i i had a pdi who came out from the debrief thinking that they had to put the handbrake on every time the car stopped because that was what they were told by the examiner and it wasn't it was about the fact we need to have a discussion about when when the parking brake handbrake whatever we want to call it is appropriate um and that's the bigger conversation and i think that's always what happens with the, the the divide, the communication divide between ourselves and the DVSA. And I was in a meeting last night in which um, commentary was mentioned. So it was talking about the ch- potential changes to uh, ADI part one, part two, part three process, um, talk about audit. And it was um, that commentary is now not spoken about at the DVSA. Um, they talk about, I've got it in a bit of paper, so I remember, and they talk about descriptive talk-through instead of commentary because people don't like the connotations of the word commentary. So this is why I'm glad that Stuart's the one that has to sit and do the NASP stuff because, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't stay quiet. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: This yep. is also a regular guest on Motor Mouth uh, by DIA, which I'm not sure if it's still running, to be honest with you. Um, but... Uh, their uh, bio for their podcast is unlike a webinar or traditional industry podcast. We'll be pulling together leading figures in the fields discuss, discuss, dissect, and debate key issues for driver and rider trainers. Um, not this podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I just find that the the whole thing fascinating. And I, what as a host, this is where it's really difficult for me because what I want to do now is give my opinion and then change the topic. Uh, But that somehow wouldn't feel fair. Um, But I will just say that for me, I kind of touched on this when I mentioned it, and I think it's just situational, a lot of it. I think you mentioned about brake and uh, clutch. It's like if you come to a set of lights and you stop, you don't immediately put your handbrake on if the lights are changing. So you're on your brake, you might have to find your biting point, then come off your brake, because if it's uphill or or whatever, I think if you're doing manoeuvres, you're less likely to use your gas. But generally, when you're setting off, you're going to, use gas first but then again like you said Stuart you know do I drive like that not always I'm guilty of using the clutch before I get on the gas um so I think that there's a a variety of opinions there but I do want to move on as interesting as that was um and we'll we'll maybe chuck these questions in in each episode now because I'm quite enjoying them but I, I do want to speak a little bit about driving instructors on social media and a very specific breed because it's starting to concern me a little bit. And I realize by saying that, I'm making this this topic loaded slightly. But I'm thinking specifically about YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, the videos and stuff. And some of the information that's been put out there towards learners is just outright false and wrong. Some of it is massively clickbait. Some of it is dubious shall we say some of it is obviously phrasing a way to make themselves look like they've had this amazing idea that no one's ever discovered before which you know is fine that's just a way of phrasing stuff i'm just wondering if that's actually starting to become a problem so chris if i phrase that so it makes sense is it something you've seen do you have, do you think it's a potential issue
0: yes I, th- I think there's lots of layers to the issue um i think Firstly there's the safety angle that I have seen you know in- instructors operating phones while the car's going along on on a lesson you know just law break stuff we don't want that representing us um and something should be done and you know it- I think that's hugely wrong I think we then end up in that horribly competitive social media world where you're trying to one up everybody else because you're the one that wants the views. And then it becomes unreal. And, you know, there, there's all of this stuff that that kind of goes on that becomes, you know, it, they believe that that's what we do. And, and it's not. It's it's all very test focused as well. Uh, you know, it, it's some of its opinion based, like the conversation we've just had. So, you know, it an opinion gets expressed and and then people jump on it and you know it we should be able to have those nice adult debates and and you know Phil and I will still talk I still think he's a lovely bloke um he's just wrong it's fine but it's <laughs> but no it it's it we should be able to have those debates because we can do so in in that really professional way um and we can have some fun with it it's all good but it is i think when it's on social media it's put out there as fact because it's in a video with no retort and no comeback there's a danger and then the other bit is it focuses on and I, this is what i've noticed growing it focuses on a minimum standard so you know it's how how badly can you steer the car or control the steering wheel and still be acceptable on test surely we should be going best practice surely we should be putting a video out there saying you know while you might get away with this this is why you shouldn't do it you know there's good reasons behind it and it's not because you're a driving instructor you drive like that it should be because we're good because we're actually competent uh because we understand the risk so again it's the conversation's missing and, and i think it's become very clickbaity um and, and just trying to get you know get things out there uh i yeah you know i I'm, I'm not a fan of of all of it i i have no issue if people want to kind of build their reputation and the driving school on social media i think there's really good ways to do it but i i suspect that some of it is causing a danger
1: um, i do just want to chip in here and, and make one point that we, i don't for any second want to tar every school with the same brush um and phil i know you do a lot of stuff on social media and you've done stuff on TikTok and stuff and your stuff is really good you know and uh, you know if, if you've got learners send them to phil's stuff um but the way we can get around that as instructors i believe is to find the good resources and send them to our students it doesn't matter whose it is Because then you're sending them to them and you can have conversations. But also, from my experience, engage with your students and talk to them. Do you watch TikTok videos? And yeah, okay, what have you seen? What stood out for you? And you give some of the examples there, Chris. They're the things that stand out. And I'm going to give a quick example now. And I've just twigged what my example is, um, which was someone that specifically told me that you cannot set off without using gas. And she'd seen that. On the tiktok video and she showed me the video and she was 100 adamant and she showed me the video and they'd said you cannot sell without gas now i don't know whether he was meaning his car and phrased it badly or whether he meant don't or, or what they phrased it very specifically so she'd come to a lesson just adamant that you couldn't and i'm like let's try and she tried and did it really well she then proceeded to use the gas which was fine but it's that those myths those clickbait things that are put out um the the ones we see the titles for learner fails a driving test in first minute it's a mock test that uh, an instructor's done that probably won't even been a fail anyway but you know let's get some people viewing and the other one i would say this is just a personal one of mine that i genuinely detest it's when you see the the video footage and the learner makes a mistake and the instructor immediately looks up at the camera and pulls that little expression. And I'm like, where should your attention be now? You are not a driving school. You are a social media product. That's what you are now. You are no longer delivering lessons. You are creating social media content. and But learners don't realize that. Driving schools don't realize that. You know, There's a, an episode going out as we record this tomorrow on um, my premium feed that we specifically talk about that, the difference between driving schools that are social media um machines and driving schools um so yeah uh, uh, Phil do you have any thoughts on this as to what we've what we've said already
2: yeah I, I sort of kind of get why they do it is my, is my issue I, I don't agree with it but it, it sells basically those those you fail your test if you do this sort of stuff that's what people want um and So, and I suppose that's their goal, isn't it? To, to grow a social media is not necessarily to be the best instructor, giving out the best information. So it's, that's kind of their goal and I, I can kind of get it. If that's what you want, it's not me. I wouldn't do it. I'd rather have less viewers and actual like good content. That's I I always, always make sure anything that I put out is positive. I, I don't think I've ever put out a video of a pupil making a mistake because I don't want to go look at my pupil making this mistake. What I put out is look at my pupil doing this amazing awareness coming up to a slip road, which I actually got a lot of stick from because a lot of lorry drivers were very upset that my pupil moved out into the middle lane to let people out. Um, (laughs) There was a very lot of debate on that video. Um, But yeah, uh, for me, that, that, that should be the way it goes is put out some positive stuff. Like this is what you should be doing. Not this is what you shouldn't be doing. Um, and make it more positive I think that, that that'd be the way I'd go
1: it's gonna make no for a future but should should cars move out to the middle oh, yeah. lane so, um no I I do I get it I get why they do it but I suppose the, the question I'm going to ask you Stuart then is um is it a problem and and if it is
3: can we do anything to fix it uh, I think as Chris said it probably is a problem um because it's so unregulated and nobody's going to regulate it. The DVSA is not going to regulate it for us. Um, Sorry to put that spoiler in there. Um, But it's the same as any other industry, I kind of think. YouTube has built itself um, on how to, how how do I do this? Um, And loads of, I can't think of any off the top of my head. You know, a golf swing, for example. How do do I swing a golf club? How do I swing a tennis racket? And there are people who have built careers on social media doing this kind of thing. And I think in any specialist kind of industry, you're going to get people who are going to copy that model and try to run a business of it. I'm not overly familiar with the the, the kind of videos um, that that you're talking about. I kind of use YouTube for more kind of off-grid, off-work kind of stuff, but I'm aware of them. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that people are maybe taking advantage of learner drivers and making a living on that kind of content. Unfortunately, it won't. They're not making money from driving instructors. I don't think they're making money from learner drivers. The money will be from learner drivers who are clicking through and watching it. Because even though it's an example of somebody doing something wrong, pupils may consider they're still learning something. Phil's point is great. We sh- should we be watching things that are negative? Probably not. But people do learn stuff from it. It's still a demonstration of how not to do something. Um, we we have internal videos in our um our driving school where we record part three mock tests the same as Lou Walsh does, and we use them in-house for our PDIs, and everyone sees our PDIs making mistakes and doing things wrong, but then we talk about it, we explain why it could be done how it could be done better, um, and we share that with the, the kind of next generation of PDIs. Um, yeah, there is probably some dangerous stuff going on out right there. I'm, I'm probably on 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 Chris's side with that. Um, what can be done? I don't, I don't, I really don't know, Terry. I don't know.
1: I Think we kind of made one suggestion before, which is the resources we send out, but. I think it also ties into something you said earlier, Chris, about the, you know, selling standards check to, to sell something else. You know, I've got a lot of experience in this with a podcast. You know, I know what titles will have bigger downloads than others. Um but from from slightly different perspective, people that invest aren't the people that go well, to clickbait or rarely the people that go to clickbait, the people that tend to invest. So even if we talk about the instructor podcast premium, I'd say 99% of the people that come to premium aren't people that were first attracted by the standards check stuff I do The people that were attracted by the variety of the episodes and the content that we put in, like the big debate about whether you should set your gas first or not, you know, they're attracted by that. And then they come in. And I think that All we can do is all we can do. So like you were creating that content, Phil, and you're creating good quality content. Now, it may never reach, I don't know if it has, but it may never reach the levels of some of these other driving schools that are purely clickbait, that that don't analyze problems, that don't work with the learners, that simply highlight the mistake they've made and then tell them how to fix it. You don't actually see the learning going on, if you like. You may never reach that, but you're still influencing people. You know, it's, I, I, I use this podcast again as an example. This podcast of a uh, season five was listened to by, I forgot the numbers, um, 4,000 people, uh, roughly 4,000 people across season five. That's 10% of the industry. I've got my mouth right now. Yeah. So but that's only 10%. What about the other 90? Well, I can't affect them. I can only affect this. And I think it's really easy because I do, to to get disheartened, to think, well, why isn't everyone listening? Why isn't everyone watching this this video? Why isn't everyone watching my video on how to do a left turn safely? Why isn't everyone watching my video on why you don't have to do a six-point or 17-point check before yourself? You know, but all we can affect is all we can affect. And I think the more content we put out that's quality, then the better, so whether that's what you're doing, bright Coaching, Stuart, or, or the, what do you call it, ADI-NJC, or Phil with the driving school and the stuff you're going down, or, or the DITC or whatever, whatever hat you decide to wear. I think that all we can do is what we we can do and influence who we can and then sweep up the stuff from every everyone else. But I suppose aside from that, Chris, is there anything else we can do?
0: I think just hold ourselves to account um you know don't do it for the other people if there's going to be you know a risk of it um i i don't know it's something that i've always just done kind of as part of valuing the effort and work and things i've put in we all know how easily it can be taken away by doing something silly by making a mistake by something being misconstrued or you know You have a bad day, you put something on Facebook. The number of times I've regretted putting something up, but I knew when I did it that I shouldn't have been doing it. There was that voice and I ignored it. Tried tried to listen first. So, you know, type it out. The number of messages I haven't sent probably outweigh the number of messages that I have, you know, fairly dramatically. So, you know, type it out by all means, but don't hit send. Um, The same with a video, you know, get someone else to watch it for you and say, do you think I should? Um, there was a moment when, I won't go into the specific details because it, it it was thoroughly inappropriate and it was nothing to do with, with work as such, but I sent Terry a picture that I'd photoshopped um, and uh, he disapproved. Do you know what was awesome? He told me he disapproved. We had a conversation about it. I went, all right, fair enough, misjudged that and we're still friends. You can do it, it's possible. Um, you know, it, I think it's having people that you can do that with and, and not the fan, fanboys or fangirls that will encourage you to do, you know, the stuff because, oh, you know, it's brilliant. You'll get a really good reputation. It's not a good reputation, it's a reputation. Um, and, and just think twice. I, you know, I, I think oh, oh, the only other thing I will say is the DVSA will step in if on social media you are not fit and proper. Um, and I, there's a couple of cases at the moment where examiners are being put on the debriefs are being put on social media. They're being filmed with examiners on them, and I know those are being investigated. So you know, while while they won't regulate as as uh, you know Stuart said, um, it, if it's not fit and proper, they they will. Take action, and and they can really easily. It's, it's it's a you know it's the big axe that gets hold it held over our heads all the time, fit and proper. So just think twice. That had have gone out.
1: I don't think it'd still be kicking around as you are now, Chris. I'll be honest with you. Um, but I think maybe the lesson about that one the better. But I remember <laughs> that that's etched into
0: my brain. Um, it, it, it was going to be said personally. It wasn't. It wasn't going to be put publicly. But it still probably wasn't a good decision.
2: No, just before you move on, um, because I feel like that's what we're about to do, um, can I offer a solution to what you were saying about it potentially being dangerous and miss if there's misinformation out there? It- is it not any different to possibly what a lot of driving should just do when people first get in their car is ask about, have you had any private practice? Um, have your parents told you anything that maybe you need to ask me about? Like, can't we just add that to the conversation? Have you seen anything on social media this week that you want to talk to me about um, or, or even actually um, AI now, like people, somebody might have asked ChatGTP how to do a parallel park, um, and yeah. So I think it's just having that conversation with your learner, and actually not necessarily dis- dismissing it, but just using it as a as a learning tool to sort of create good conversations with your learners that's a great idea especially on the first lesson like you say you ask
1: people's you know influences in driving well they've got influences beyond what we had 10 years ago now so i think that's that's a great shout. and um i had a brilliant one recently uh is it do they call it a six point check or a seven i can never remember that the some instructors insist upon but just, i, I can't remember whether to do my, my six point check sign for my right or my left right like, yeah that was an interesting conversation um anyway Yes, uh, you, we were I'm gonna move on a little bit because I, I wanna I wanna touch on this because it's the last episode uh uh before the Meganar. So I just want to speak for a minute about that because we have got two people on the show today that are going to be presenting at the Meganar. So I'm not gonna come to them first because uh, I think it was you that said it, Chris, not going to the, the fanboys, the people that are biased. Uh, we'll go to someone that's a little bit more impartial in in Phil. So the the lineup for the Meganar on the third of August is um Bob Morton, who's going to be talking about coaching. Uh, I've got Sendcast uh, that have come in to replace engage. You had to step out, and they're going to be talking about how to sort of initially spark that conversation around um diversity and, and um uh, special needs, that kind of stuff. You've got fresh drivers talking about garage anxiety. Stuart Lockery, um, incredibly handsome chap, wonderful and knowledgeable man. Um who told me his new title, but I've forgotten what's your, what's your new title, Stuart. Um fa- I'm the founder
3: at Bright Coaching.
1: Oh, sorry for the, the webinar uh the, the pop- oh, presentation you're doing.
3: Um you got it right. Um you got it right on the, the latest release. Uh, mo- moving on up, uh life beyond the D V S A there go so I remembered it for the written but not for the audio uh, Richard Marley is coming along
1: to giving us some breathing techniques to uh, to manage stress levels Elizabeth Box is talking about pre-driver education Chris Benstead is doing the theory I'm not going to say you're handsome uh, Laura Joyce is talking about social media for driving instructors and knowledgeable instructor training are coming to talk a little bit about well taking us back to the future and I'll let you, uh, you work that out amongst yourselves so uh, I've got two questions for you Phil uh, firstly are you looking forward to this secondly is there a particular speaker you're looking
2: forward to um no it sounds awful um is, um so yes absolutely i'm looking forward to it you, you happen to have put it on the day that i normally have a team meeting with my instructors so i have advised all my instructors to sign up for that instead of listening to me talk um so oh, have i got a particular speaker um i'm just gonna go for stewart because he's there looking at me
3: Um, i've always liked you phil i've always liked you
2: um (laughs) you know not to
1: disagree with phil now because he'll (laughs) he'll
2: choose someone else later on (laughs) um i to be honest i'm looking forward to all of them i i think it's a a lovely mix um of not just instructor stuff it's like it's stuff that you well it is instructor stuff but not standards check stuff i suppose is what i mean um so yeah it's a lovely mix i think actually i'm looking forward to probably the garage anxiety one partly because i have garage anxiety i'm rubbish with cars and i i've actually just i've got a car that needs to go into mot recently and i've just recently asked my own instructors like who, who do you go to because like how do you know who's good at being <laughs> being a mechanic it's, i'm assuming it's the same problem um learners have choosing driving instructors and, and often, what do we ask? What cost will it be? Yeah. You know, yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Um,
3: what's your yeah. pass rate? What's your pass rate
1: in what's fixing cars? For for MLT. yeah, um, yeah. Um, but but yes, for, for anyone listening, it is on the 3rd of August. Uh, it's going to be uh, broadcasting to a private Facebook group, so people can go in and listen to that. It'll be left up for a couple of days, and then you will all be kicked out, so you'll have access to it for a couple of days. Ideally, watch it live. Because live you'll be able to go into the chat and interact with each other and ask questions. Some of the presenters are more than well, they can all come in if they want, but they're more than welcome to come into the group and interact in the group. Uh, they can share their presentations in there. They can um, you know, post where you can find them, all that kind of stuff. So it's there will be a one-off presentation that will last probably about three hours, you know, if everyone's doing 20 minutes each. Um Get in live if you can. Sign up to Instructor Podcast Newsletter, because that's where I'm going to send the links out so you can join up. Um, And the reason I decided to do it like that, above everything else, because it's easier to get people in. I don't have to worry about the numbers and anyone, uh, the presenters that want to interact can do. But as I said, we have got two presenters here. Uh, So Stuart, you were... um one of the first people I invited along to uh, to come and present, and you said no, and so I came back and asked again, and you said no, and eventually you got sick of me begging you and said, yeah, I'll do it. Um, are you looking forward to doing it? Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to other than yourself?
3: Uh, first of all, Terry, thank you for asking me. Honestly, it's a, it's a real privilege. I think we, we met at um, Kempton Park for the first time. Um, you were doing your podcast live episode with Chris on stage, and I thought it was just a really fresh kind of interesting um, thing to see at our conference it was it, it was brilliant um and I was really just honored to to be asked um to do it. I'm looking forward to it. I've not done anything like this before outside of my own my own team um or outside of the NGC. Um, I'm looking forward to Liz box I've I've been speaking to Liz box um for the qualification that we've written with bright coaching. Um, getting some insight from Liz and some also kind of Lisa Dorn and, and that that side. That side of the industry fascinates me. That, that that's my bag. Do you know that whole driver psychology, the research um, that psychologists do working in road safety, that never makes its way to the test center. It 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 I think the last time it did to any great significance would have been something like the Hermes Report you know 10 14 years ago um and that's the stuff that got me into the kind of stuff i'm into now um so yeah i'm looking forward to to speaking to liz but there's loads of great variety on there which is another thing that you've done really well it's not about standards check it's a little bit of coaching with bob who's brilliant um but stuff about neurodiverse learners garage anxiety you know it's just stuff that i've not seen anywhere else so i'm looking forward to be part of it
1: awesome um I'm almost reluctant to say this because I don't want to dismiss anyone else, but I think Elizabeth Box is – I was very pleased to get Elizabeth. I was pleased, obviously, with everyone, but it's like Elizabeth. I was almost a bit surprised when she said yes to know how busy she is, and and I'd never spoken to her before, and my first time I spoke to her was literally, will you come on my Mega now? Um And she was like, yeah, of course I will. Um, and I'm fascinated to listen to that conversation, you know, uh, empowering young drivers – Uh, leveraging research-backed strategies for effective instructor support. Uh, So she's tailored what she's doing specifically for driving instructors. And um, I mean, I'm looking forward to all, and I will just mention as well, Richard Morley. You know, I'm not going to say now where I'm, placing people in the the order uh it's not fully decided yet and i'll be reaching out to everyone it's very very soon so don't worry um, but uh, i'm putting richard marley slap bang in the middle he's going to give us a, a short meditation so we have that big block of uh stuff beforehand richard going to give us a meditation going to give us some breathing strategies to take away for for ourselves to help us calm us down for the standard check anxiety that kind of stuff and then getting with that next block so i think that that's going to work really well as well uh chris i've asked you about this uh previously but um you know no, we're talking about now so I'll mention it again what are your thoughts on the megan art and is there anyone you're particularly looking forward to
0: um i i, I want to see whether it's awesome or a disaster because you know they're your two predictions yep. uh, either way i'll enjoy it um because it'll give me cannon fodder or it'll give me education so i, I can't lose really um no i i Liz is brilliant I, I've you know spoken to her a few times um over different things and uh yeah I, I totally agree with what Stuart said It's there's not enough of that in the industry I don't get why because I find it absolutely fascinating um I've, I've done Lisa Dawn's course uh and again I actually I, I some of it I think we don't know what to do with it I don't think we're educated enough in in how to then take that it's a lovely fact you know they'll give you this awesome idea of why what the problem is but they don't give us the solution to go and then tackle it because some of the times they don't know because it's just it is it's human behavior um so yeah I, I think you know the there's that element of, of things there um I like breathing breathing's good so you know yeah I will I'll, I'll go with Richard on that one um, and, you know, he, he's in the room, so obviously I want to listen to what Stuart... now. I'm looking forward to what Stuart's got to say as well. So I'd, I'd like to know what I'm going to say. Um, you know, I, I was going to change the subject, actually, so should we go gas, clutch, or clutch, you know,
3: gas, but... Door medals yeah, or wing medals? Door medals or wing
0: medals? Yeah, so, so something about theory. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm you know... Uh, thoroughly enjoying my theory journey it's awesome so it's going to be another part of that so i'm looking forward to finding what i talk about
1: uh phil if you want to hijack chris's presentation let me know i'll send you a zoom link for um but no i, I it's the cpd event of the summer in my opinion um i'm gonna go so far as to say this it's the first annual uh megana or maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll do it two a year. Who knows? But it's the. I'm intending to be the first. So hopefully more. But I also want to take a moment just to uh, to thank everyone that's agreed to do it. And, and also go slightly beyond that because I, I've said this before. I've said it. I'll say it again. That I'm always pleasantly surprised with the time people are willing to give up. You know, I look at this this podcast here. I've got you three awesome folk uh, coming along and interacting and engaging and making it more enjoyable for listeners. Uh, in my premium group recently, I've had. Um, uh, Chris Brooker, and I always want to call Chris Benson, uh, but Chris Brooker and Adila Amazia, they have absolutely nothing to do with the industry, but two phenomenal people in their own industries coming to share their insight. They're going to get nothing from coming to talk to my premium members or coming on the podcast, but they come and do it. And I think what a... You know, there's a lot of negativity around, but you know, look at that, and it just makes me smile. It makes me positive, and I think that these are stuff we can we can um, we can take going forward. So, you know, you two here, so thank you for agreeing to doing it. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, and and uh, the third of August, head over to the website, check the show notes out, and you can sign up over there. Um, think that's about all we're going to cover today i think we'll, we'll wrap up there so uh i'll come to each of you individually phil do you want to just give people a quick heads up on uh, where they can
2: find you um so yeah i'm at um college um or if you're a pdi come join lou's pdi group i'm uh, admin there um and then obviously the book club which is tomorrow which i'm pretty sure this won't be out by then but it's tomorrow as we're recording um and yeah we're talking about in the game of tennis and i already have another book lined up for next month but we'll keep that secret um teasing for the tomorrow's episode um so yeah come and come and join in because the more people the merrier we can have a great conversation about coaching sorry go on that was it teaching automatic that's what i'm going to do because <laughs> apparently i know nothing about gas <laughs> Um, Phil's doing a
1: great job over on the book club there he took it all over from me and um, yeah I'm loving what he's doing over there and uh, the only game of tennis I'm looking forward to I'm also now keen to see uh, what we're doing next month but uh, Stuart do you want to take a moment just to uh, tell people where they can find you
3: yeah sure Um, you can find me at um, my new website which is brightcoaching.net at the moment it's just a sign up form um, to stay informed of what, what we'll be doing towards the end of the year and into next year But basically, we've written a professional accredited qualification, um, coaching, advanced kind of coaching techniques, uh, behavioural change and driver psychology. It launches in Glasgow next year. The hope is that obviously we sell some places on that training course um, and eventually we can maybe bring it down to south of the wall one of these days um, into England. Um, But yeah. Brightcoaching.net if you're interested and you'd like to be kept informed, then sign up to that um, mailing list. And yeah, thanks thanks very much.
1: Um, I'm coming up to Motherwell uh, later on this year for a a different course. Um, So yeah, a bit of fun one to attend in Glasgow next year as well. So you might be seeing a bit more of me up north. Uh, I know I've got a few listeners uh, up there. So yeah, um, Yeah. yeah, maybe expand that a little bit. But uh, Chris... um, Tell people which hat they can uh, find you under.
0: Um, so theory test explained for all of your theory test or part one needs uh, DITC so that I can point you in the direction of of me for the theory test or other people if you need other stuff. Uh, so that's the DITC.co.uk. Um, and uh, yeah, if you just want to chat, just get in touch. I'm quite happy to have one of those.
1: Uh, and as mentioned earlier, for the instructor Podcast, make sure you're subscribing uh, so that these episodes that come out before Season 6, you get them dropped into your feature it away. Go check out the YouTube channel. Lots of little bonus pieces of content coming up over there, as well as the video for this. Um, make sure you're heading over to the website. That's where you'll find all the stuff for the newsletter. You can sign up for the instructor Podcast Premium. Loads of content over there, loads of good stuff over there. Um, but all that's left makes it is thank you for listening, uh, and thank you guys for joining me. It's been a pleasure.